Hi everyone, I'm here with Sam Hodges, the uh, co-founder and chairman of Funding Circle. Sam is uh, absolutely caring, fun, loving person. Everybody loves him so much. Um, <laughs> <That's very> <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so so grateful for this opportunity to ask you questions on a more personal level. Well, and thank you for having me on the on the show. Of course, thank you so much for coming here. Uh, and yeah, and like learn anything from you um, on a more personal, not necessarily the business level. Um, and, and then just hear your experiences, ups and downs. Um, so let's get right into it. Sounds good. My first question is, if you look back in your teenage years, mm -hmm. um, before you dove right into the business world, what was your kind of that, what was that era for you? If I were to be really honest, I would say that I was a pretty uh, uh, dorky teenager. Um, okay. I think many of us probably were, if we were to be really honest about it. Um, but at the same time, I, I had a really strong affinity for, for, for team sports. Um, and at the side, I'd, I'd worked a lot. I started uh, busing tables when I was 14 or 15. Um, I think my first kind of real job for a summer was uh, selling knives for, for Cutco. And um, so I think early on I had a sense that it was important to kind of find your way in the world and make sure you could uh, you know, financially support yourself. Yeah. Um, so I spent a lot of time obviously being bookish and kind of nerdy, spent a lot of time playing sports and then, and then worked a good bet um, as, uh, as a teenager. That's awesome. So were you actually selling knives door to door? So the way the way I was vector marketing, many people probably have, have either bought knives from Vector or at least heard the pitch. Um, it's a multi-level marketing scheme, right? Mm -hmm. And the way it worked was uh, largely through referrals. So you'd start with your friends and you know family and friends, and then you'd ask people for a referral, and you just work your way through the uh, through the network. And it was really interesting to see most salespeople only made it kind of one layer out, right? Meaning they're only really comfortable going and making an ask to, uh, to people they knew directly. Um, for me, actually, that was the most awkward part, right? Going to people, <laughs> friends, and family, and saying, hey, do you want to buy these knives? They're, yeah. they're really good knives. I actually still have mine, believe oh, it or not, you know, 20-something yeah. years later. Um, How's one you believe in? But <laughs> what, I, what I realized was, actually, you know, once I was talking to people I, I didn't necessarily know, um, I kind of enjoyed selling. And so that was, uh, for me, that was an important early realization is, uh, you know, sales can be, can be fun. Nice. Um, so you knew right away that you wanted to do something like and push yourself even when you were pretty early in the, in the I, I would say that I, I would say that I was an ambitious teenager but I was also pretty undirected in terms of like where that ambition was going and if anything I actually through most of uh, college I would say that the path that I was on would would be to become an academic um, I, I you know, did a couple of research uh, you know internships while I was in college and probably through, at least partway through my junior year, my, uh, my plan was, uh, you know, go get a PhD and, and follow that track. Um, you know, further back, um, I, I come from a family of scientists. My, my mom was a science writer, was a science writer, and a nonprofit manager. Uh, my dad was and still is a physicist. Um, his parents are scientists. I have a lot of kind of scientists, doctors, engineers in the, in, in the family. And so, if anything, I'm now kind of a... Uh, uh, a black sheep, so to speak, as a as a entrepreneur, person, as an entrepreneur yeah. business person. <laughs> awesome, I see. Did they encourage you to get into into the science and engineering? They they did, and I think my parents are still uh, somewhat uh, regretful of the fact that I'm not a scientist, <laughs> not a scientist of some uh, sort. So, parents, if you're listening, I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, so, at which point did you actually know that you wanted to build something of your own, not just yeah. maybe work in sales, but um, more of like building your own 
little baby, uh, whatever it could be, mm -hmm. whether it's a business or some other idea. Definitely. Um, I, I would say that there were two um, kind of linked moments of, of realization. The first was um, kind of late in college. Um, I, I did an, an internship in, at a management consulting firm and really enjoyed it. Um, I just found the content to be really interesting. I liked the, the, the pressure and kind of the analytical rigor. Um, I liked the results orientation. Those are things that, that I really gravitated toward. And so going into my senior year of college, I, I kind of made a decision that I was going to forego um, the academic route and instead uh, you know, try my hand as a, as a business person, which if I were to be really honest about it as a 20 or 21-year-old, I had no idea what that <laughs> meant, right? Yeah. Coming out of my college, it's kind of like you, or you went to med school, you went to law school, maybe you joined you know, a nonprofit or maybe you went to work in investment banking or consulting. Mm -hmm. And there was literally very little visibility as to what those paths entailed. Yeah. And so I, I kind of took a leap, ended up joining a, uh, a boutique strategy consulting firm um, at the beginning of my career called the Katzenbach Partners, which was a really wonderful experience. It was great training, really wonderful uh, group of people, and um, spent my first, first uh, about two and a half years of my career uh, there. And um, I would say the second realization, uh, the first being I wanted to do something in the business, the second realization I had was I was really uh, drawn to and, and very passionate about building things. Um, one of the opportunities I had while I was at uh, Katzenbach, and I just kind of happened into it, was the opportunity to work with our um, software development team, actually, to build out a new survey product, mm -hmm. which we used to um, in several of our client engagements. And so... You know, pretty early on in my career, I had the opportunity to, to, to build something. And you know, it was a very mini little business. Yeah. It didn't account for much in, in, in terms of, of the bottom line, certainly. But it was a, you know, I built a small business internally, and that, that, was, that was very exciting for me. Right. Um, and so that made me realize that maybe instead of going and working with very large corporations or serving as an advisor to companies, um, instead of actually going and, and uh, you know, building stuff as, as an entrepreneur, an entrepreneurial operator, uh, could be a really attractive path. And, Kind of How old were you at that time? That must have been 23-ish. 23. 23, 24. Wow. No, it, took me, it took me a while from there to actually, you know, build up the, the chutzpah to actually uh, uh, launch something. But uh -huh. I, I think from about 23, I, I was set on, 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 on doing something. Great. And so what were the steps that you took from yeah. like that moment at 23? And you're like, all right, I've got to do something. And then what were the actual steps you took until you... Started. So my first my first step was actually kind of a, uh, an interesting sideways one. Um, I followed a, a colleague, um, a very someone who's still a very good friend of mine, to a startup company. And mm -hmm. funnily, about three weeks after I joined that company, um, their main funder pulled out, and we sold the business. And so my first kind of entrepreneurial foray, which was joining someone else's company, although admittedly a, one that had a lot of, I mean, a great team. I mean, the people mm -hmm. who ran it were really very high quality, but. It kind of gave me a taste of one of the ways that startup companies don't work out. Right. Um, yes. I ended up sticking around for, for a period of time and helping the, the CEO of that business kind of get, get things in order. Um, and then I actually took some time off and, and kind of thought more deeply around like, well, what, how, did I, how did I join a company that you know, so quickly kind of went through that, that event? And one of the things I realized was having the ability to see across many startup companies actually could be a really uh, valuable experience. And so I was lucky and was able to talk my way into a job that, um, at, a, at a fund that invested in a lot of early stage companies. So I ended up joining a, a large um, investment fund called Pequot Capital Management. I was part of the, the private direct investing team. We did a lot of venture capital and growth equity uh, style investing. And um, basically the next step that I took from there was um, almost two years uh, doing that role. 
was involved in investing and helping build a number of businesses. Um, very was very fortunate to kind of be taken under the wing of a very experienced entrepreneur, um, a guy at the time who was in his 60s and had built you know several you know multi-billion dollar businesses yeah. over the course of his career and learned a tremendous amount kind of just watching him and learning from him as well as the other entrepreneurs in our portfolio. And then the next step I took um, was moving into an operating role with uh, one of the companies we invested in, which was a really interesting company um, called uh, uh, Second Market, which was a technology-enabled marketplace for liquid financial assets. And I, my timing there was just very fortuitous because I was there right during the financial crisis. Mm -hmm. And that was a moment where pretty much every financial asset was illiquid. So there was a lot of opportunity for us at Second Market. And again, um, I was very fortunate to, to kind of train at the knee of a very good entrepreneur, uh, Barry Silbert, who's someone who you know, I, I consider a good friend and it's been really exciting to watch his career uh, subsequently. So anyway, long story short, I kind of took a, a number of steps where I was learning and, and kind of learning by absorption um, before I ultimately decided to uh, to go and launch my own thing. Wonderful. So it, it means like you just took one step that led you to sort of another step. And then within it, you learned so much from people who already have that experience mm -hmm. rather than just going out in the world and stumbling and falling by yourself. I, I think that there are plenty of successful entrepreneurs who jump directly into what they're going to do. Mm -hmm. My experience was that having worked in a couple of different startup organizations and also worked as an, an investor looking at those startup organizations, when it finally came time for, for me to kind of take my turn, um, I had a broader toolkit and with benefit of hindsight, maybe, maybe a slightly higher chances of success, right? There are so many things that can go wrong in, in building a company and so many decisions you make early, you know, to kind of stick around and, and continue to persist over the course of the, the organization that you uh, that you build. And so even if in a small way, getting a little bit of pattern recognition before you, you take the leap, uh, that's something I, I encourage most people to do. Absolutely. So if you don't mind sharing some of those insights, like just at least a few that kind of stick out to you, some yeah. of the things that we should avoid doing early and then some things that just really stand out as things you should do or you shouldn't do. For sure. I, I mean, so many lessons, right? And you can, you know, when I think about building um, a, a company, there are obviously a couple of major elements you have to think about, right? Mm -hmm. There's the, the, the product and the product strategy. You know, what's the pain point you're solving? You know, how are you going to solve that problem? Mm -hmm. You know, what mix of kind of technology or service are you going to deliver? There obviously is a good market plan. How do you go out and get to market? There's all the operational infrastructure underneath that. There's all the people and organizational stuff. Um, and then you know, to the extent that it's a regulated business, and, and a lot of my experience has been on the regulated side, how do you make sure from a regulatory and compliance and operational risk perspective, everything holds together as well and, and you end up not blowing up. Okay. If I were to try to distill a couple of major lessons, number one I'd say is, if anything, start with your go-to-market plan, which sounds kind of counterintuitive, right? Because I think a lot of people, when they think about Kind of starting something, they start with a very product-led right. perspective. My experience has been that more often than not, what will prevent a company from becoming successful or ultimately cause its untimely demise is lack of insight in terms of how you actually are going to get to market. Is it going to be through partnerships? Is it going to be direct? If it's direct, how are you going to do demand generation? Right? Is it going to be sales-led? Is it going to be more, more marketing-led? Are you going to have to support your customer through, through fulfillment? Is an enterprise solution, mid-market, or SMB? Or is it a direct-to-consumer type, type approach? And across all of those, there are a lot of different, now well-honed techniques you can use to make the business effective. Um, but I do think that having a really strong angle on why do you have an advantage with respect to what I think of as distribution, kind of your go-to-market, um, I think you can get really crisp on that. 
that increases your, your chance of success uh, uh, pretty importantly. Mm-hmm. The, the other big lesson that I would distill is take your hiring decisions very seriously, right? Bad hires end up costing you in ways that are almost impossible to imagine at the outset. Mm-hmm. And the amount of churn and emotional distress, not to mention real business problems that come from making bad hires can be pretty harmful. Uh, particularly when a company is very small, right? And especially in, a, in, in the beginning, yeah. Right. Once you're larger, you can you can afford to make more mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that having a and it's not just a high bar thing. Right? I think a lot of people are like have a high bar for hiring. Like, what does that mean? Right. right? When I, when I think about it, it's people who are very values aligned with what you're trying to do, yeah. and have the right skills for the roles you're putting them in. Mm-hmm. There are lots of great people out there, lots of people with tremendous skills. But if you take an awesome person. And put them into a role where they don't have the skills to be successful. That's 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 shame on you. It's yeah. not shame on them. Right. And so trying to be really thoughtful about that early on, really really key. And by the way, my experience has been if you can get it right seventy or eighty percent of the time, you're doing great. You're not, you're never going to get it hundred percent of the way there. Right. So who was your first either like co-founder or someone who you started this with, or were you, yeah. was it were you by yourself? So the, the, the entity that eventually became Funding Circle USA, um, I, had, I had a co-founder with. Um, mm-hmm. He was a business school classmate and still a good friend. And um, you know, it was an idea that we had jointly developed. Um, he brought a lot of insight on small business ownership. He had been, he'd built out a, a gym business that I was an investor in and kind of you know, helped see through. And um, ultimately, you know, the insight that I brought to bear was from my experience at Second Market, which is you can use a, a marketplace-driven model to, uh, you know, facilitate capital formation um, and get, you know, basically investors to, to put investments or put money to work in investments mm-hmm. that uh, are, are, are more non-traditional. And so the ultimate kind of thesis was, hey, what if we create this marketplace thing that connects, you know, small business borrowers on the one hand with alternative sources of capital on uh, on the other? And, you know, that, that conversation was... For us, you know, summer 2011, and here we are, you know, seven plus years later. Great. And so when you just had this idea, it sounds great on paper, and mm-hmm. there's lots of great ideas. What's your strategy to actually validate whether, of course, like there's one or two people who it sounds really great, but then what do you actually do to make sure that this is a really solid idea that you should pursue and invest a lot of money and time yeah. into? It's, it's a great question. What I would say is, it's not an all or nothing decision. The, mm-hmm. the reality is most businesses evolve quite a bit between initial conception and when you actually are successful and have scaled up. Mm-hmm. What I think ultimately shouldn't change that much is, is kind of what I think of as being the purpose of the business, right? When you hear the word pivot, what I hear is the kind of concept of the business, like its purpose for, for existing didn't really pan out, yeah. right? But there are lots of things that change around how do you go to market? Exactly what should the product be versus not be? What people do you need on the team to be successful? How should your branding look and feel? Right? Those are things that ultimately are pretty mutable. But I think you're, whether you're successful or not, it's kind of a question of does, does the purpose of the business really, does it make sense? Um, and so distinguishing as an entrepreneur between like, why do I exist? Why am I working on the problem? Is it a real problem that needs to be solved versus some of the more market strategy and tactical things, which are ultimately ones that you need to iterate through to figure out what's going to work. That that's a that's a distinction that, that's really important to make. And I certainly have seen entrepreneurs who get those things confused, right? Mm-hmm. They they think that they have product market fit, but they realize that their go-to-market plan doesn't make any sense. 
or they think they have a product that will be relevant in a huge market, but they are too narrow in terms of thinking about what that product ought to include in order to allow them to scale. Those, 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 are, those are real mistakes, but ultimately they're ones that if you, if you take kind of a, a test and learn mindset to, and if you're very disciplined, um, I think you can power through. Got it. All right. That's, that's very interesting. Yeah, I have a lot of friends who are starting something, and it sounds really great. Uh, on paper, and even they have validated that by generating demand, even in the beginning, um, seems like it's really a valid idea. And then they start pursuing it, and then a year or two into it, maybe they even get funding, but then it just doesn't work out for some reason. Yeah. And it might be that what they thought or what initially generated the demand was not actually what the people expected or Right. Well, and, and, and markets change, right? Right. The, 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 the data that I've seen would suggest that for companies to receive, you know, late seed or series A funding, the failure rate, meaning they don't ultimately return investment capital is mm -hmm. still, you know, 70% plus, mm -hmm. meaning more than two thirds of businesses who go to that phase ultimately don't return the, the, the capital right. invested in them. Right. And so I don't think about it as, you know, why do companies fail? Rather, I think about what, what makes companies who succeed, exactly. succeed. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the unfortunate reality, but it's just, you know, one of those you've got to pick yourself up and keep moving is most don't work out for, 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 for whatever reason. And so I, I do think the, the, the burden of proof on, is it a big enough idea in a big enough market with a good enough team, and a good enough go to market and the right approach to product and the access to, to capital and other resources you need. I mean, you have to get a lot of things right. And mm -hmm. it's not to say you have to get everything right. We, we certainly, you know, building up ELN and then Funding Circle, and a lot of things wrong, right? Yeah. We made a lot of mistakes. Fortunately, none of them, at least as of yet, have been mortal mistakes, right? Yeah. We, we've been able to fix things as we've gone along. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's our thing That's about really it. cool. So I wanted to shift gears a little bit and just sure. to ask you, uh, was there a moment, um, or actually, was there a person um, that kind of really influenced you um, especially, I guess, in the beginning of your career or even um, a person in general in your life that really shaped, you think, who shaped who you are. Of course, everybody shapes us, but um, a really significant person mm -hmm. or maybe even it could be a person or it could be a book. So it's like another mm -hmm. person through that channel. Sure. Um, yeah, some, some kind of figure yeah. in your life. I, I mean, I would point to a, a number of influences on the, on the personal front. I mean, going back to, to my roots, um, I think my parents, the way my parents raised my sister and me was, you know, number one, be very intellectually curious, right? I, I would say that I was very self-directed from an early age because they kind of set the parameters and allowed me to do that. They threw a lot of content at me and kind of saw what stuck. Um, they were very supportive of me, kind of regardless of what it is that I wanted to do. They just wanted me to find something I was passionate about and pursue it. Um, in addition to that, my uh, my grandparents on both sides, but I particularly call out my dad's parents, who um, were career scientists, were just deeply intellectually curious. And I think a lot of kind of my early exposure to them when I was a little kid, you know, informed my curiosity that then has kind of stayed with me, you know, through the course of my uh, you know, course of my life. And honestly, I think that being curious is just such a like if you can raise curious children, if you can be curious yourself, and it's something we all ought to aspire to because it just makes the life so much more uh, so much more interesting given given its richness. Mm -hmm. so, that, so that'd be one kind of foundational. And then on the business front, once I'd kind of made the the, the fork into uh, into evil business land, um, I would say that I was particularly inspired by the series of entrepreneurs who uh, who I worked uh, with and for um, early on my early on in my career. And so you know the consulting firm was uh, uh, co-founded and run by a guy named Nico Canner, 
who I'm still in touch with and who I still think the world of and, you know, saw how he built and ran that business. And it was just great and eye-opening to see. Um, I then, you know, worked for another entrepreneur, um, Barry Silbert at Second Market, who has done incredibly well as an entrepreneur and I just think is, is an inspiration. And, and I forgot, in between that, I worked for Larry Wilson, who, who was the insurance uh, entrepreneur who I mentioned before. And Larry, you know, at that point was, you know, 40-ish years beyond me in terms of career experience, but still willing to, uh, you know, invest in and, and, and develop me. And, and I learned a tremendous amount from him. He had a very thoughtful and earthy way of, uh, you know, expressing things and, and was able to take a lot of complexity and, and distill it down. He was just a terrific operator and really, really good at, at building great teams. So I pointed to the, the entrepreneurs I worked with early on. Those were, those were people who ultimately inspired me and, and, and kind of made me better um, just by what they taught me. That's awesome. So from what I hear, it's really important actually to have people in your life that you don't have to reinvent the wheel mm -hmm. uh, by yourself. You can Agreed. actually really learn from others. And some people don't have access to those great entrepreneurs. You might have had the chance to work closely with mm -hmm. them. What would you do, let's say, if you just had a regular job mm -hmm. um, and didn't have like that one-on-one -on -one personal relationship with Sure. the mentors um but just stepping out you know like not everybody has like that privilege yeah. what would you recommend those people do well this is this is where getting real world entrepreneurial experience even if you're not the founder i think is incredibly valuable mm -hmm. and so my advice to someone who wants to build a a scaled up technology enabled company of any sort regardless of what the domain is it could be in financial services it could be in healthcare it could be enterprise doesn't matter Whatever this domain they're passionate about, go find the top six or seven, you know, emerging, interesting companies that are growing quickly mm -hmm. and going through all of the wonderful and painful things that come with that phase of development and find a job, get in there, right? Mm -hmm. And the reality is if you go in and get in there and prove yourself and whatever, wherever you start, you will, if you do well, have a lot of opportunity. And even if you stay in the same job for several years totally fine, right? You learn a lot, not only about that job, but also how do companies like that work? Yeah. And so when you're actually ready to then go into your own thing, your your pattern recognition, your ability to move quickly and have confidence in your decisions, not to mention the quality of your decision making is just going to be higher, mm -hmm. right? You're never going to get 100% of the way there, right? Like any leader who is worth their salt, I think would admit they get it wrong almost as often probably as they get it right. But there is just something around, you know, knowing which decisions really matter, getting the mm -hmm. big ones right, and all the other stuff, you know, moving reasonably quickly and being consistent in, in terms of how you approach things. Yeah, that sounds really reasonable, actually. Great advice. Thank you. Um, yeah, the, the other question I have um, is really about any kind of books that you, I think we talked about it a little yeah. bit over a break uh, at some point, but what are the books that also influenced you? Um, something that must read that's really either just inspirational or you really expand your mind just by reading some sure. of them. Not necessarily business. It could be any book that you just think that is so valuable for anyone. Um, gosh, I mean, I am a, I'm a voracious reader. I probably read, you know, 30 to 50 books a year. Um, when I when I my library is overflowing at this point. So to be honest, I would, I would have a hard time pointing to one book. I would say that reading and being open-minded and stretching how you think about things is incredibly helpful. Mm -hmm. um, in general, I'm pretty skeptical of business books, if I were to be really honest. Okay. Um, I do think that sometimes biographies can be a really powerful way to 
see kind of the span of someone's life and career. Mm -hmm. And so I've been inspired by and really enjoyed and gotten a lot out of biographies of political leaders and also, frankly, of, of, of business leaders. I mean, Walter Isaacson's uh, Steve Jobs is a classic, I think, of business biography. Um, not to say that he gets everything right. I'm sure he got some of the mm -hmm. details wrong. But I think he paints a complex picture of a complex entrepreneur, mm -hmm. right? And I think anyone who, you know, wants to enrich their life can read that and, you know, contrast it to, you know, any number of other good, uh, good biographies and, 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 and get a great deal out of it. You know, um, I, I would say, you know, if you're a, a military historian buff, um, Winston Churchill's autobiographical series about the Second World War, I found to be incredibly moving and powerful just because he goes through in pretty, you know, gritty detail all the decisions that, you know, he and his cabinet mm -hmm. made from before the war all the way through. And, you know, he was living kind of the firsthand consequences of decision making with limited information and real consequences. You know, if you think running a business is hard, try running a country <laughs> oh, during, yeah. a, during a period Absolutely. of crisis, right? Um, so I do think there's something around, you know, the, 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 those sorts of, of novels. Yeah. Um, on the personal front, I'm a big fan of um, you know, mountaineering and outdoors activities. And mm -hmm. so, you know, stories of, of outdoor adventure and exploration, I think, are very powerful. You know, I was inspired early on by the, the stories around Ernest Shackleton. Um, and, uh, so, you know, if, if you, if you're into that sort of thing, there are a bunch of Shackleton books and, um, you know, including one by Frank Worsley, who was his first mate, um, about, uh, uh, uh the boat expedition that I think is, is, is really worth, uh, worth a read for anyone. So I, I think those would be the sorts of things you'd I'd point you to. Wonderful. So it sounds just like, just keep reading, keep expanding your keep mind. Reading. Yeah. Biography. It doesn't actually really matter what it is. It's what moves you, what works for you. I, I mean, I think that, look, if you're reading, um, <laughs> if you're reading, reading romance novels, that's probably less relevant. <laughs> it's probably less relevant for entrepreneurship than many other things. Yeah. But I think you can find great books in the sciences. You can find great books that are biographical or autobiographical. You can find great economics books if you want to understand the way markets work. Those are fantastic. Um, I've done a lot of um, more recently. I, I've, I've been very curious about uh, human cognition. It's been something yes. I've been really curious about for a long time. Mm -hmm. I mean, Daniel Kahneman's, you know, Thinking Fast and Slow, right. absolutely worth a read. Um, I actually did a, a teaching thing here at, at, at Funding Circle for, for a number of years um, about how to make fast decisions. Right, and it was that. very much informed by, uh, by some of the work that, that Kahneman and, and, and others have done. So I guess what I'd say is, again, there's a lot of great stuff out there keep reading, follow your passions. You know, if you, if you're running into something in, in your life or in your business where you're like, I, I want to learn more about this and, or why isn't this working the way I think it should work? Right. I guarantee you there's a great book out there that'll, that'll help you kind of navigate through that. Got it. All right. Um, so now that we've talked a lot about the successes and what shaped you, I was also wondering, yeah. were there moments of failure or you felt like it was a moment of failure that actually really defined your either future or certain behavior yeah. um, that was a turning point at some point as well, but you actually still treat that as a, as like a moment of like a downfall or, yeah. yeah. So I, I'm pretty sure it was a Marissa Mayer quote, um, Marissa Mayer, who's mm -hmm. the, the former CEO of Yahoo, and that went something like, you only fail if you stop moving. And, and I kind of think of failure that way, mm -hmm. right? Um, failure is when you give up, right? And there certainly are business and investment failures I've had, but I don't think of them as, I mean, I guess I do think of them as business and commercial failures, but I don't no, think of them as personal failures, right? right? Um, I think of, for me, the bar on personal failures are, do I live to my own kind of 
code, right? Yeah. Do I, you know, act the way I would want to think I'd act over the course of my life and, and, and my career? Thinking back. Yeah, thinking yeah. back, right? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a big believer that, you know, we all have a, only a limited time amount of time on this earth. And right. so to the extent that you can, at the end of your, your career and life, look back and not have major regrets, I think that's kind of a life well lived. And it really comes down to how do you spend your time? You know, who do you spend with it? You know, who do you spend your time with? Um, you know, who do you invest in? And, and, and ultimately kind of what's, what's our legacy, right? I think that's kind of the, 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 the existential question we all have as, as, as humans is, you know, how do we leave the earth as, as, as a better place or, or, or not? And there's so many different ways that can play out, right? Mm -hmm. Ranging from building companies and developing people all the way through, you know, researching, you know, next uh, cure to disease to many, many other things, right? There are so many different good ways of, of, of living your life. And it's just about doing that. Along the way, you're gonna have setbacks, right? For me, um, I've made dumb investments, plenty of them. Um, things where I've lost money. Um, I have made poor business decisions that have had real consequences. Certainly have learned from those. Um, but I don't look at those as being failures per se. I just view them as being mistakes. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. I love this outlook because a lot of people are discouraged by yeah. things that happen because they did something and yep. then they stop themselves before they even start doing yep. anything else. So I think it's really important to think the way you do that no matter what happens, that's just an outcome. It's yep. a result. It's not necessarily, doesn't mean that you failed. doesn't mean that it like you now should not do anything so i really like the way you put it because it's, it's very powerful in this thinking yeah but um I, I think like a lot of people while at it can't really think that oh you know what that's not a failure it's just a mistake and it's just a result yeah is there like is you actually consciously make this or like nope this is not a failure or is it automatic that it's fine that's not a problem well, we'll deal with that. I think I think there are um, two 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 points I'd make, and it's this is easier said than done. I certainly, in the moment, have thought I'm a failure, or this is going to be a failure yeah. for sure, mm -hmm. right? I think we, we all have that um, that self doubt, right? Um, imposter syndrome, whatever you want to call it. I do think though, if you can always be thinking, what what is in my control versus what's out of my control. Mm -hmm. And if you have genuinely done everything that's within your control to influence the outcome in a good way, then I think it's difficult to say it's failed, right? Or you've failed. Mm -hmm. The company may have failed, the project may fail, but you've done everything you can to get it to the best possible place. And that, I think that's a really important difference. I think a lot of people face adver adversity and they just shut down. Yeah, or they start thinking, what should I have done? And then that just becomes a loop that you don't want to go into. You 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 end up getting into really in, into a bad place quickly, and that's right. a that's a that's a dangerous rabbit hole. When when things go wrong, having the mindset of okay, what do we do next? How do we move forward from here? And of course, at the right moment, you know, pick yourself up, reflect on how you ended up making a bad decision, either you individually or the collective that you're that you're part of. How did you end up in that bad place? But the most important thing, the first important thing, get out of it. Right? right, figure out how do you get out of that 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 bad situation, and if you can kind of do that, I, I ultimately think you'll you end up having a much more resilient um, organization and, and, and personal psych, uh, psychology. Right, no, I love it. Thank you so much for saying that. I think that totally resonates with me, and something that we should all work on <laughs> as human beings, not yeah. just business leaders. Um, and I think the last really question is, 
uh, now that you've stepped down uh, and then it frees up some of your time, mm -hmm. I'm sure you took it for yourself, but is there something that you're working on right now? What sure. is that? Um, so I will, uh, I'll forever be invested in funding circle success because I believe that, you know, what we're doing here in terms of, you know, providing capital for, for small businesses who need it is just a, it's a, it's a good thing. It's something that the, the, the world needs. And I think we have the opportunity to do it uh, globally. Um, at the same time, I was I was ready to uh, transition for a variety of reasons. Some of them, frankly, very personal. I was ready for a break and, and kind of realized that, and I was also ready to uh, to you know to start scratching at a at a, at a different problem. Um, you know, I think the team here has done just a wonderful job of getting the business to where it is, and I'm I'm really excited to see what's uh, what's next um, for the company. On my front, um, you know, I plan to stay in uh, you know financial services writ large, and uh, I am indeed scratching at a new idea, which. Uh, I'll hopefully be able to share more about uh, you know sometime next year. That's exciting. I love that you you know a lot of people want to retire. <laughs> They're like, all right, now I've built my success and now I can just relax. I don't know what I do with my time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I, apparently I'm a masochist because I, I actually like this stuff. Yeah, I, I think uh, someone like you definitely doesn't want to just stop because they've already achieved something. Great mind, just keep want to keep well, moving. No, too too kind. <laughs> it's uh, there's I, I do think there's something. Once, once you've built something, it, it kind of becomes a little addictive, right? Yeah. And you have a little bit of restlessness around, uh, around yeah. keeping, keeping, keeping doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your yeah. time, uh, for sharing all of the insights, all of your learnings. I think it was really valuable. Um, yeah, I really appreciate your time. Likewise. Thanks, Maria. Thank you.